Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. Do not forget to buy lentils, or the lentil soup you're making for dinner will be sorely lacking. By the way, Mrs. Calloway says thanks for helping her bundle home and auto. She appreciates the extra savings, even though you kept using the word apropos incorrectly. But the main thing is do not forget to buy, uh, what was it? Something apropos, the lentil soup. Sorry, I'll call you back. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Men. And bringing you tonight's episode is SeatGeek. Our friends over at SeatGeek have a wonderful promo. And obviously it's a new promo code for us. At, at this point, can I stop saying it's a new promo code, Frank? Are we to that point? It's, it's just the promo code. It's, it's just the, the promo, promo code. code. Okay, so it's the promo code now. It's L-O-M-B-A for Locked on NBA. Again, L-O-M-B-A for Locked on NBA. And that gets you a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So go out and use that today. And if not, just use just go to SeatGeek to find the tickets that you want for whatever event. Frank, um, Again, we're kind of in the down period of this offseason, it seems. I, I think we're pretty much through when news is going to occur. Um, so now we're kind of talking about other things. And in our search for other things, we realized that we've made a, a fantastic oversight, right? Like. I'm 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 struggling to even admit to this. It, I think it's a coping mechanism, is what it is. We've been blocking it out. Um, but Michael Beasley's gone officially, um, and I guess we didn't really talk about it because we didn't. I don't think we had any expectation that Michael Beasley was going to be back. I think um, I think there were some kind of hints made at the beginning of the summer um, that he was not really. I think probably in the cards for the Bucks to bring back. And obviously, I mean, we've talked about the Bucks having a full roster anyway. So again, the Bucks would have had to do something in order to create room for him. And Michael landing in New York, I think is, um, you know, again, it's, a, I don't know. I mean, is a good opportunity for him. I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm not sure how, how much he'll play. I mean, the Knicks aren't that good. So hopefully he'll get a chance to play. But I have to say, I mean, he was a guy that um, I had no idea really what he might bring. I had no I want to. I want to say. I mean, I haven't listened back to our podcast from a year ago when they brought him in right after the Chris Middleton injury. I think you know n- none of us thought that he was going to replace Chris Middleton per se. But um, I-, I think you know you-, you couldn't really say anything bad about sort of the presence he had in the locker room. Guys seemed to really like him, and he was really effective as a scorer. Um, you know, again, does he a guy that you know overall impacted the team in a really positive way? Well, you know, his on-off numbers weren't great, and. Um, you know, uh, kind of a lot of the questions you you know, always sort of make about Michael Beasley and sort of how he um, impacts the entirety of the game kind of can, can be raised. But 
Um, you know, in spite of all those long two-point jumpers, I, I really enjoyed the era of the bees in Milwaukee. I mean, th- I, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I do wonder what we said in that podcast when we first heard about it. Um, and, and I'm sure someone will be able to tell us on Twitter because that's the thing people do, um, being able to recall your takes. Um, I, I don't know if ours were good or bad, but I would imagine I said something to the fact of, well, we know Michael Beasley likes himself, so Michael Beasley... And he's going to get shots up, and he's going to uh, kind of be a a guy that can come off the bench and score in bunches and maybe not pass quite as much as you'd like him to. Um, and I think throughout the season, he totally – I mean, he blew me away. Uh, I, I was expecting to hear uh, locker room stories about a petulant guy that just wasn't happy and – was it going to be a problem and it wasn't that way at all he, he he was a guy almost universally beloved in the locker room uh he was a guy that again he wasn't a great defender um but there was at least times where he seemed to be putting in the effort and making rotations and for beasley that's a pretty significant step forward like that was that was a big deal that he was actually able to do those things and surprising to me that he was able uh, to do those things defensively. So that was good. I think he was exactly what you expect on an offense. If maybe even a little bit better, uh, a guy that could come off the bench and uh, just put up some points quickly. And as we said throughout the year, when things get bad, uh, Michael Beasley is there. He he can thrive. <laughs> he's ready to go. It, things don't have to be going well uh, for Beasley to get buckets, and he's a bucket getter. So, um, I, I guess a, a little bit. Uh, I guess I would say I was a little bit surprised about how well he fit in, how well he did. Um, but I can't say that I'm at all surprised that he's not back next season, just because uh, you add those two. You, you add those two draft picks and you add kind of just the idea that, well, you're going to... Beasley was a, a nice seat filler for the year, but he was never going to be a part of your long-term plans. You have other guys you want to develop, and uh, to me, it just never seemed in the cards that he'd be back this year. Yeah, I mean, it's a sort of the destiny of Michael Beasley. It seems like, you know... Um, I- I mean, I wasn't really as worried about his personality because I, I knew, you know, as many people know, I, I follow the Rockets because my wife's a Rockets fan. She's from Houston. Um, and when he came back from China and signed with the Rockets, um, the you know, before he came to Milwaukee, uh, you know, the Rockets were pretty upfront and saying like, hey, we did our homework. Um, it seemed like he kind of took going to China as a wake up call. Uh, and obviously the Bucks bringing over Jason Terry who had played with Michael Beasley in uh, in Houston also had a little bit more intel than uh, than you might otherwise have some, from that sort of firsthand experience. So I mean, my assumption was that if Terry was vouching for him, that you know he was he was going to be fine, right? He's not going to be a bad guy in the locker room. But it, yeah. it was interesting, as you said, it's not just that he was fine. It seemed like people really did genuinely like him, and he um, again and and again, it's not like Beasley has previously been considered like a cancer per se, but you know, maybe more of a goofball than you would have liked. Um, uh, and <laughs> and it seems like, especially now that he is kind of embraced the role that he's in of being a, you know, a bench guy, not being, I don't think he has, you know, a, an entitlement level as far as like, oh, I need to play X minutes a game or whatever. Um, I think that's really helped him because, again, I mean, when he comes into the game, you know he's going to get shots up, but I think as long as he's in that bench role, you know, I think maybe at times they played him too much with Giannis this year. But um, certainly when he was out there, you know, I mean, 
probably I mean, the highlight of the season was, I guess, maybe that uh, that San Antonio game where, where Giannis missed most yep. of the game. And um, he played a big role in helping the Bucks claim maybe their most impressive win of the season uh, in San Antonio, yeah. uh, kind of hanging on to beat the Spurs. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the Bucks got exactly what they would have wanted. I mean, you know, you look at his numbers, um, you know, he shot 53% from the field. And you look at his shot distribution and the fact that he shot 53% from the field overall, um, I think it was like 58% true shooting. I mean, it is remarkable that he was an efficient scorer uh, in spite of the fact that, you know, again, he he takes 75% more long twos than threes. <laughs> you know, 18% yeah. of his shots are long twos, only yeah. 11% were threes, despite the fact that he shoots 43 shot last year, 42% from three. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, again, he shot 45% on long twos. He shot 46% on 10 to 16 foot shots shots he shot 40 frank he he shot 49 percent from a three to ten foot range which was the best mark on the team um you know he was just he was good wherever he shot the ball from i think only i want to say only Giannis was better uh at the rim 70 percent even for beasley Giannis was 71 percent um you know he just is a phenomenally skilled scorer and again i think it would have been nice especially with jabari out for the season or for most of the season um, you know, if you could have maybe found some way to keep him roster, uh, get him a roster spot. But again, DJ Wilson is, is effectively replacing him on the roster. If you think about it, from a positional standpoint with Mirza back, obviously Giannis back, um, you know, Chris, uh, and the rest of the kind of swingman rotation back other than Jabari. But that, that obviously was the same situation at the end of the season. So, um, so we'll see what, what kind of the net impact is. Um, as you said, defensively, I don't think Michael is necessarily adding a lot, um, you know, I think his switchability is something that maybe in, in the Buck system is maybe hidden a little bit more. Maybe you, you get a little bit more benefit from that than um, than you do maybe than you would have maybe ten years ago. You know, uh, in in kind of an older school defense type thing. So yeah. Um, so we'll see. But it's it, it also seemed a little weird. Like it seemed like he played a lot more small forward than I would have expected this year. Um, I thought I, I don't know. I think you you would think he'd be more of a kind of a, a mismatch four type at this point, but. Didn't really matter. I mean, the guys just got uh, an incredible individual talent for just getting the ball and going in and getting a bucket, even if you know too often he likes to do that one dribble in, <laughs> long two. Um, but uh, but yeah, he was uh, he he did pretty much everything you could have expected from a guy that was you know really sort of a uh, I don't want to say an afterthought, but obviously a, a very late acquisition right uh, up coming up into the season right after the Milton injury. Um, adding him late, um, you know, you, you don't normally expect to get guys that add value, but uh, certainly when you look at what the Bucks did with with some of their fringe moves um, last season, uh, you know, getting Terry, getting Michael Beasley, obviously a second round pick in Malcolm Brogdon, they um, they really were able to kind of add a lot around the fringes of uh, of the roster. So you know, Michael Beasley going into I think his age twenty nine season, um, you know, I don't know, I feel like. It's sort of those things. It would have been cool if he had gone to more of a contender, probably, and it would have been fun to see him maybe carve out some kind of bench role for for a better team. Um, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what his opportunity set is in uh, is in New York. But um, but yeah, shout out to Bees. Good luck to Bees. I'm sure all of his teammates, former teammates, will be rooting for him. And um, I feel like uh, I feel like he won me over as well. Yeah. I- I'm trying to think what the ideal fit for Beasley would be, and I do almost wonder if it it's now on a good team that he is 
kind of so good in that role that he can kind of handle being a bench guy. Uh, I do have to wonder if maybe a better team would have been a better role for him. So uh, I do kind of worry with the Knicks, but then there's also part of me that can't wait for for Chris Stapps to get to hang out with Michael Beasley. Like that, that to me is just generally exciting. Uh, and maybe he can have a solid impact on uh, that Knicks team that is trying to get better, and maybe maybe he can help out Mel. I don't know. Um, hit, man, the bucket getting between those two. Uh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would say the same thing. That I'd Really, I, I can't do anything other than wish him the best of luck and uh, just hope that he can find a home. That To me, that would be... Uh, being a basketball nomad is never fun for anyone, so I, I do hope at some point Michael can just find a home and, and get to stay there for longer than a year um, without have to without having to worry about possibly going back to China or figuring out where his next job would be. Like that, it would just be great if he could find a home and settle and be happy and be and just get buckets. That would that would really please me. Here's a question: Let's if Melo does get moved, I, I mean. It's sort of funny. Like, you think about Carmelo Anthony and the baggage he brings and the cost he brings. And you look at a guy like Beasley, who, from a pedigree standpoint, you know, similar background to Melo, right? Like, incredible. I mean, Beasley, I don't know. I don't know who had a better college, single year college career than Michael Beasley. You know, Durant might be the only current player in in yeah. Beasley's category in terms of like God, just that single K-State season. year was incredible. Incredible. Um, but it's kind of funny. It's like if you if they moved Mello, I mean, it, it, wouldn't it be hilarious? I mean, it, it won't happen even if they moved Mello. But wouldn't it be hilarious? I, I would love to see Beasley getting like 32 minutes a game and a ton of touches and just to see what he would, could do, right? I mean, he, oh, man. He's yeah, average. that would be cool. I mean, he's he's done the whole 20 points per game on a bad <laughs> team thing in the NBA. Yeah. Um, last year, he was a 20 point per 36 guy on high efficiency um, I, I don't know. It's kind of one of those funny things. Like, you know, it's just sort of, you know, understood that Mello is still a guy who's going to get lots of touches and like, oh, yeah, he can get you 20 points a game. But I don't know. It's like is at this stage of their careers, is Michael Beasley really that much of a downgrade? I, I don't know. I'm not even sure if he is. Man, yeah, I'd, that would kind of excite me. So maybe, maybe that can happen and maybe that can be the outcome for Beasley that I can really uh, find myself enjoying. All right, Frank. Some other things today, uh, we, we have something planned at the last part, but uh, we mentioned on our last podcast that Jabari Parker had uh, spoke during a, a rally a con, uh, or maybe a protest, whatever you may want to call it, in Salt Lake City. Um, and today, Malcolm Brogdon joined Sports Illustrated for like a five-minute interview, and they talked about kind of the idea of whether or not athletes should what is it hashtag stick to sports um if that's something they should do and he kind of talked about how that was silly and then since he did go to uva they talked about what it was like to see that in charlottesville and um i don't know i, I just thought it was really interesting and i think if you go find the interview i know i tweeted it out and a bunch of people tweeted it out like you can find it and it it's going to be exactly what you expect. It's going to be Malcolm Brogdon speaking intelligently on complex social issues, <laughs> which that that's just a strange sentence to say for, for an NBA player, just that he can do it so well. And when you, 
when you hear the nickname the prez and you hear all these things about him like all of it makes sense when when you watch that interview um so if you want to go out and watch that if you're into that kind of kind of thing it's easy to find and i found it interesting yeah uh and again you know uh it's nice when you can support a team where you can trust the the players and you know not just as basketball players but but as people right and and malcolm being you know still a young guy we joke about him being old for you know uh, a guy coming off his rookie year but um he's clearly a guy that has a good head on his head on his shoulders and you know you never worry about him talking out of turn and saying anything that um that you know i think the organization wouldn't want to stand behind he's um you know a stand-up guy and uh again you know um I don't know if that those sorts of things win you championships, but let's just say this: it's it's a lot nicer to be a fan of a team where where the guys are you know off the court like Jabari, like Malcolm, like Giannis, etc. Um, you know, it's definitely a, a nice thing and makes the fan experience that much better when you know you do, you can believe in the people behind uh, behind the jerseys too. So shout out to Malcolm, Jabari, and um, all those guys. And uh, yeah, hopefully, I don't know, it'd be nice. Hopefully, uh, our favorite NBA players don't have to be you know, spokespeople for common sense and all sorts of political stuff. Um, it'd be nice if things just kind of got back to normal, but, uh, as long as things are crazy, uh, it's good to have good people, uh, on, on your basketball team. Yeah. I thought that was the, the most overwhelming kind of thing I took from it is that the, the bucks have two guys that are willing to speak on social issues and have done it quite well. Um, and, and like you said, that just makes it easier as a fan, I think, to kind of get behind these guys and cheer for them. And uh, just like, like you said, it just makes it makes the fan experience better. Um, also making the fan experience better is SeatGeek. Our friends at SeatGeek have obviously a great product. We talk about it all the time. They've been with us from the start. And if you go to SeatGeek, you can go to the app, you can go to the website, and you're going to find the best tickets for whatever event that you're looking for and you're probably going to find tickets for whatever event that you're looking for uh, because SeatGeek has it all they go out they find the best deals and they throw it in the app so you can see exactly what you're going to be looking at from your seat you can be uh, you can see exactly where your tickets are you can see how good of a deal it is you can see all of that by just opening up the app and all that information is there for you. It's so easy. It's so simple. Um, and obviously, that's the, that's the only thing I use now when, when I'm looking for tickets for any event, whether that's a concert, whether that's a basketball game, baseball game, uh, football game, whatever it may be, that's where I'm going. I'm going to SeatGeek. And as always, we have the promo code for you, and it's easy to use that promo code. All you got to do is download the app. Then go to the settings tab, go to add a promo code, add promo code L-O-N-B-A, again, L-O-N-B-A for Locked On NBA, and that'll get you a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. So go out and use that today, and as I always say, if you're not going to use that or you've already used it and you can't use it anymore, well, just go shop at SeatGeek anyways because they find the best deals for you and they make it so easy. Frank, something that won't be as easy is... So, I guess let's preface this with NBA 2K18 um, is is coming out shortly, and they're putting together all-time teams for each franchise. Um, and it's been going around Twitter like, oh, who would the all-time be all-time team be for the Lakers and Heat and blah 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 blah. And we've had a I 
man, I think almost like five or ten people asked both of us who would be on the Bucks all-time team. And I think we're going to try to figure that out tonight. I, I It's going to be difficult because I already have a number of questions when we were talking about it before we started to record. But uh, I think we're going to try to get to the bottom of that, Frank. You you cool with that? Yeah, let's call it a working session. Um, I don't have a, a whiteboard up. I feel like I could go full. <laughs> uh, um, oh, God, what's the name of the... A Beautiful Mind, the the Russell yep. Crowe movie about yep. uh, John Nash. Yeah, I feel like you could you could do all that. Um, what's that? You know, like the, the GIF of uh, uh, Zach Galifianakis uh, when he's in the casino scene where he's like doing all the calculations and all that and the Hangover. Like I, I feel like that that's sort of been <laughs> that could also like be used to to to, uh, to summarize this. But um, when you but started yeah, the, with when you started with Beautiful Mind, that seemed much more sophisticated because <laughs> I'm imagining myself as Charlie uh, trying to find Pepe Silvia. Like that's what I'm doing. With oh this yeah, team. like it's just gonna, good, uh, it's just going to be everywhere for me. So yeah. th- this is yeah be fun. The, that yes, an always sunny in Philadelphia reference is always a winner in my book. <laughs> um, I was trying to go by highbrow and lowbrow there with the John Nash and the Hangover reference. Totally fair. Totally I, fair. I may, have, may have whiffed on both, but yeah, it's it's interesting because I mean we were we were talking a little bit before. And um, I, I mean, is there more than one no brainer on this? I think one position is a no brainer and and everything else. I think there are multiple guys who could make a case for that starting spot in the in the starting five. And obviously we can be a little bit flexible with positional assignments. But, you know, if we want to actually think about this as a real team, um, I would argue there's only one guy who who's a lock for the first team, and I'm guessing you would agree. I would. The only thing that made this difficult is I was trying to figure out if if classic players in this game could only be used on one team. If that makes any sense. So, oh, okay. like, it could it, I'm trying to. Could, if a certain if a certain player may also be on the Lakers all time team, would he be eligible? Yeah, <laughs> correct. I, well, I I think we need to forget about that for our purposes. But it is fair if if you're doing a whole league. But that makes it really hard because then you're probably taking out for sure the Bucks center, probably for sure the Bucks point guard, and possibly also the Bucks shooting guard that we're going to select. I don't know if that's what it's going to come down to, but you could possibly remove all three of those, and those are three of the guys that I think would help you create a, a really good all-time team. So I, I thought that was interesting. I had a number of people tweet at me when I tweeted that out, that question, that Ronnie2k, one of their developers and a guy that's on Twitter all the time tweeting about 2K, uh, Ronnie said that guys can be used on multiple teams. So we can, we can legitimately throw out my question. Um, but if you do, oh, man. Um, yeah, you're going to be doing a little bit of digging um, at one of these positions. And that, it might be too easy at that point because you'd be eliminating some of the good competitions. <laughs> so that wouldn't Correct. be funny either. But Correct. anyway, I keep we keep beating around the bush. The one guy who's a stone cold lock for me, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar slash Lulal Cinder. Correct. I, I mean, and it's a combination of I think he's hands down the greatest buck by far, even though he wasn't obviously in Milwaukee for you know a decade, but. I mean, he played. I think he was he was he was in Milwaukee longer than I think maybe the casual fan, especially the non uh, non Bucks fan, may may realize. Um, what was he six six seasons in Milwaukee? Five? Seasons? I mean, he was here a while, and I mean, he's still the leader in you know most <laughs> yeah, categories that you want correct. to be leading in. So, uh, including points. I mean, he's two thousand points ahead of Glenn Robinson for the all time Bucks scoring lead at fourteen thousand. So. Um, he's twenty eight hundred up on Bobby D in rebounds. Like, yeah, 
Yeah, that's crazy. He, it's it's significant. Even though he has spent that much time, he was just so dominant that the, it would be impossible. Even if you're counting for longevity, uh, trying to think of a guy that stuck with the franchise long, like no matter what you tried to draw up to try to keep him out as the Bucks center, you could not. Period. Yeah, I mean his his Bucks career average is thirty point four points, fifteen point three rebounds. Um, they only started logging uh, blocks like midway through his career, so he he doesn't lead the. He, Otherwise, he would also be the career Bucks leader. He's only fifth with 495, but he did average 3.4 blocks per game, which is the most of any Buck in their history. And, you know, highest PER, highest uh, box score plus minus by a mile, uh, plus 8.3 box score plus minus. So basically that's, you know, him adding 8.3 points per 100 to your team. The next highest guy, actually a pretty random one, 4.6. That's Alvin Robertson of all people, but not even close. So, I don't even know. I don't even know if we need to talk that much more about Kareem because he's so far not not only ahead of everybody else, but I mean, I, if you don't pick him as a center, like who are you even picking as a center? Like, see, that was what I was saying before. Bob Lanier, like, who was it, barely yeah. here. I mean, yeah. like if you have to take off those guys because you can't have them on multiple teams, because I, I would assume if you get multiple teams, his Laker years would supersede his Bucks years. Um, like you, it would get really hard. I think it's probably Bogut. I don't. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, he was here a while, and he was, you know, had at least one really, really good season, but more of a consistency thing. But yeah, he might just be by default. You're the next best center. Um, I don't know. I, I'd have to dig on like. I mean, like. Yeah, but is Jack Sigma is Jack Sigma in there? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'd have to really look at it because. Again, this is where the fact that I'm I'm old, but I'm not quite old enough to really remember the 80s and 70s teams. Obviously, um, my my knowledge sort of thins out a little bit. Okay, how do we want to go to the next spot, Frank? Do we want to go to power forward? Because I think power forward is going to be up for great debate. Yeah, I mean, and this is kind of the interesting one because when I first thought of this, I thought of it as like, well, what you know, if you wanted to put together the best video game team. And bear in mind, I haven't played basketball video games since NBA uh, Live '99 for. Uh, N64. So my my video so, game so days. So you're pretty are, well versed. Yeah, I'm pretty well versed <laughs> in video games. But um, I mean, if you were just looking for like the guys with the highest ratings of of you know in a franchise history, so more of like the peak type of thing rather than just sort of career resume, it'd be pretty easy. You would say, hmm, who's the best player on the Bucks right now? Who you know, in five yeah. years we may look back and say that's the best Bucks player since Kareem. Hopefully, one day we'll surpass Kareem as the best Buck. I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo is. Probably the obvious guy you would say is the most talented Bucks power forward ever. Um, but at this point, we've only seen really one year of of stardom out of Giannis. So, um, you know, I, I would say it really depends how you want to sort of look at it. If you want to say it's peak ability, yeah, I'd, I'm putting Giannis as a starting power forward. If yep. it is kind of resume, you know, more of like a all-time team type thing where you know duration and all that matters then at this point you'd say well then Giannis definitely wouldn't be on it yet but I obviously you'd hope it's just a matter of time yeah I feel comfortable putting him on the team but uh, again if you'd be a real stickler for the rules for okay well this has to be an all-time team is he an all-time player yet like it, it would get difficult because he has that all NBA appearance and they're just are not many of those in Bucks history. So whether or not you'd still get the longevity, but is the, those first four years, is that enough? I, I don't know. It would, it'd be really tough. If, 
if it wouldn't be him, I don't even know where I'd go for power forward. Like, I, I feel like it just has to be him. Yeah, I mean, I think the the only other guy who's like a classical sort of four, and obviously Giannis isn't a classical four, but he effectively plays four. Um, the only other guy you'd kind of think of as like a classic four man that's really sort of, uh, you know, statistically seems to have a good case. Um, you could say Terry Cummings. Um, I think Bob Dandridge, I think, technically played the four on those 70s teams. And obviously he had a very good career in Milwaukee. Um and then, you know, then you kind of get into stuff like, well, you know, some of the other guys who are maybe more of of small forwards, like, again, I can't tell you how often Marcus Johnson may have played power forward. I think technically he was would have been more of a wing. Um, Glenn Robinson also much more of a small forward during his career, even though he came into the NBA having been a four in college. Um, you know, if you want to kind of shoehorn them into the four spot and say, well, modern NBA basketball, they'd be fours now. Um, you could try to do that. Um, I think of those guys, Marcus Johnson uh, is, I, I don't know if there's really that much comparison. I don't know. I mean, I guess big dog, you could maybe put in there um, given, given that he was around for a while as well. But I think if you look at uh, efficiency numbers, Marcus, kind of trounces uh, big dog uh, pretty easily by most metrics. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think now we're kind of getting into that, that mixture of, you know, there's a bunch of guys at the two th- and three spots and you might be able to make cases for some of them being fours as well. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's kind of tough because stuff gets murky real quickly. So it kind of depends how, how much of a stickler you want to be for positional accuracy, I guess. Yeah, I think just because there's not a true standout four, that also helps make me feel more comfortable with putting Giannis as the all-time four. Um, based on, obviously, the, I, I projected him going forward. I think he's going to be one of the at this pace that he's one of the best bucks of all time um but i feel comfortable projecting that going forward with Giannis. um so i think that's just the easiest way to go about it are you cool with that you know the the interesting thing too is if you put Giannis at the four and you're and you you're trying to actually think about this as a functional team i think that may also come in handy when we talk about the backcourt positions as well because having a true point forward um may help you because i think when we break this down, I think you'll find that there's probably more talent on the wing than there is at point guard and maybe not so much pure talent, but just in terms of guys whose kind of bucks careers um, really stand out. So I already mentioned Marcus Johnson. I mentioned Glenn Robinson. Um, Do we want to talk about like twos and threes together? Do you want to focus on like the kind of more classical threes on their own and and dig into that a little bit? Um, I guess we can do it all together. Actually, I want to do this first. What is Paul Pressey? Because I think that also kind of mixes into all of that as well. Because if we're going to save him until point guards, that's fine. Um, but also, maybe he's in that 2-3 conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, and again, people who um, I, I feel like, you know, our friend Canada Bucks and others who, who actually paid attention or were, you know, uh, watching basketball in the eighties are, are going to probably correct us. If, if I, you know, try to guess too much at this, I mean, my understanding was Pressy was more of a, a wing type guy who, who obviously handled the ball a lot. I mean, he averaged seven plus assists, three straight seasons, career 5.1 assist guy. So, I mean, that's where yeah. the whole point forward stuff came in. Um, although Marcus was, I think he'll tell you was the first guy that Don Nelson referred to as a point forward. So uh, not necessarily the, the Pressy being the only guy, but he was sort of more that true guy who, who was, you know, that, okay. that biggest, this guy 
uh, on the wing. So I would say he's so that, probably we can uh, throw him into the two, two three conversation. So yeah, he's, I mean, he was he's listed at six five, one eighty five. So I think you'd say nowadays more of a shooting guard type size, but um, definitely more of a two three probably. Okay, so we put him in that conversation. Also in that conversation, you already mentioned Marcus. Uh, big dogs in the conversation. Then you have Ray Allen in the conversation, Michael Red in the conversation, Sidney Moncrief in the conversation. I guess Alvin Robertson in the conversation. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Is, is there a wing I'm missing? I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, like Brian Winters, uh, you know, I mean, Brian Winters, John McLaughlin, you can start to kind yeah. of think of like the the guys from the 70s and, and earlier kind of period um, as far as, as there. I mean, you know, I, I don't think those guys really compare. I mean, Brian Winters, um, I don't know. I always kind of, him being one of the retired jerseys, like I think you can look at his numbers. I mean, he was in Milwaukee, I think, like eight eight years maybe, um, and, you know, had a long distinguished career. I mean, he's he's definitely on a lot of the Bucks, you know, kind of career leaderboard stuff. But again, like, is 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 he like close to some of these other guys i think that's where kind of i kind of begin to struggle i don't think he's in the real conversation for like all-time team and similar with johnny mack i think um i just don't think those guys kind of did enough in terms of all-around game so i would put them definitely on you know at least one notch below and um i think i mean i'll say this i think if you look at we we did this a few years ago we we did on brew we did like a a thing on i forget what it was it was like may have been retired jerseys or something like kind of just looking at historical players. And I really didn't appreciate until, until that point that how ridiculous it was that Marcus Johnson does not have his Jersey retired. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, you know, absolutely. whether you want to, whether you want to look at it by kind of just totals, like, you know, total points and total just counting stats, um, you know, almost 11,000 points, which again, a thousand off of Glenn Robinson, who was second, you know, Marcus is six, but there's a big cluster of guys, um, including Bob Dandridge, who again, want to, want to give a shout out. Dandridge is probably one of the most underappreciated guys, um, just because he was, you know, not, he was on the, the kind of early teams that had all that success. So obviously he deserves a lot of credit, but he also obviously got overshadowed by, by, you know, the, the bigger names, including Kareem and, and Oscar on those teams. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Marcus, I, I mean, I, I think if you're going to ask me, you know, out of the guys that we were just discussing, so Ray Allen, Michael Red, Sidney Moncrief, Marcus, Glenn Robinson, um, I have a hard time when you, again, factor in peak and efficiency stats, which, again, like I think a lot of times that stuff doesn't get appreciated for um, guys who have been out of the league for a long time because it wasn't something anybody really knew about when they were there. Um, but I think Marcus and Sidney Moncrief are the two guys that really probably stand out above the rest just because they had pretty long tenures in Milwaukee and their peaks were, were, were really high. And, and, you know, whether you want to look at raw stats or efficiency stats, um, both those guys really stand out. I mean, Marcus is third in career box score plus minus Sydney's fourth. Um, you know, obviously Sydney being the first guy to win all defensive, um, you know, those guys were just really, really, really good and, and probably get underappreciated, especially by people our age, you know, who, you know, probably skew more towards Glenn and Ray just because we saw them and we saw the Bucks have some modicum of success. But again, against Sydney and, and Marcus, um, obviously they were guys that uh, that helped the Bucks win a ton of games and certainly more success than than we've seen really since the, the early to mid 80s um, was with those teams. So I, I'd say those two guys probably have the best case 
you know, if, if I was going to pick my two, three guys and, and I had to pick two guys out of there, I'd probably go Marcus and, and Sydney in, in some order. Maybe Sydney at the two, Marcus at the three. I mean, not even not even getting into numbers. Like, just look at awards. Sydney's a five-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, five-time All-Defense, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Marcus is, I think, a five-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, like, those are those are legitimate awards. Like they don't they don't just give those out. Uh, and when you look at some of the other guys that would be in our era, um, they just don't compare. Uh, again, as much as we may like the the big dog Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, big three, like those guys weren't at that level. Like Ray Allen at some point got to that, um, but the, 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 those are those are crazy. Like like you said, how. Marcus and Sid, man, like that's tough. Five-time All NBA for Sidney Moncrief, like that's that's significant. Uh, three-time All NBA for Marcus Johnson. So those dudes could just flat out play. Um, and if Peak does come into the conversation, I think those Peaks are better. Uh, Big Dog and Ray both end up getting traded. So I think Big Dog only played one more year in Milwaukee than Marcus ended up playing. Even though that seems kind of crazy to think, um, but. Marcus was there almost as long. Sydney was there in Milwaukee for a long time as well. Like, I, I think there there's a lot to be said for how long those those two were there. Their peaks were better. The numbers were better. The awards and accolades were better. Like, I I just I, team success. Yeah, team success was there. Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Going into this, I thought it was more of an argument, but as I looked at the resumes. I don't know that it's uh, I don't know this conversation. Yeah, I mean, you look at Marcus's, you know, again, uh, we, we talked about some of the efficiency numbers where he, you know, he looks really good. And then, you know, you look at his career in Milwaukee. I, I mean, seven seasons in Milwaukee um, averaged, uh, let's see, uh, per 36, 21.7 points per, per 36 uh, raw points per game, 21, seven and a half rebounds, 3.7 assists, um, nearly a block a game. I mean, you know, those are those are big time numbers, regardless of era. And and Sid was was similarly a guy who, um, you know, I, it's kind of weird. I feel like maybe in some ways, like people talk so much about his defense, they don't really appreciate how good he was offensively at his peak as well. Um, <laughs> he was ridiculous. You know, like in in uh, ten seasons in Milwaukee, you know, seventeen points per game, five boards, um, four assists, and and again, we're not even capturing what he brought to the floor defensively, which obviously was, was huge. So, um, so yeah, I, I think those two guys I'd say are, are probably the, you know, the, the obvious picks, you know, if you really look at that, the full complement of tools we have at our disposal, like you said, the, um, advanced numbers or raw numbers, career numbers, team success, the peak stuff, you know, how they compare to their peers. Um, those guys, uh, those guys balled out. So, uh, so yeah, I, I as much as I, you know, um, feel like the league has generally trended upward, you know, I think for something like this, you, you kind of look at it and you, you judge guys relative to their eras. Um, and I think if you do that, um, you know, again, Glenn Robinson, you know, he's uh, in terms of career points, only second to only Kareem in terms of career points. But I think if you look at the full picture, um, again, I think those two guys are there. So, OK, so d- did we decide it? So so I guess we'll say Kareem at center. Um We'll say Giannis at four at the four, yeah. based on sort of the more the peak argument, um, and then 
the the two kind of 80s stars Marcus and uh and Sydney at the wing on the wings and then that leaves I guess a pretty a, a diff, another difficult decision at the one although again I don't think anybody at the one really compares it's not like a situation at the two three where you've got um guys who were here a really long time and who put up awesome numbers and did all this stuff it's a little bit more um, that there's nobody who has it all, I would say, at the one for, for uh, some, some various reasons. Well, except, except Monte. Monte has it all. Oh, well, Monte had it all, of course. But, um, but no, I, I would totally agree. It, it's kind of that same conversation we've had throughout that um, if, you, if you take out some guys, if you think about this uh, as a resume and how long they were there and uh, – I don't know. It just kind of becomes tough, and I don't think you really have. I don't know. It's a tough decision, but I don't know if there's really all that many guys to discuss there, right? Like it's it's either Sam Cassell or Oscar Robertson, and I don't know if you feel comfortable saying either of those two guys are are bucks through and through, right? Like neither of those guys scream Milwaukee Bucks. Those are are guys that kind of did big things other places obviously uh big o gets his championship in milwaukee uh but he didn't spend a majority of his career in milwaukee same thing with sam cassell sam cassell has bigger moments in just about every other stop right like he's got bigger moments in houston he's got the sam cassell dance uh with the timberwolves like (laughs) all those things are for other teams so um like i had mentioned before that if you get to take if you have to only be on one team like you could easily take out oscar robertson he would go with let's see the kings because he played for the cincinnati royals i think that would be the lineage of that franchise uh and then you could take sam cassell he could i mean the timberwolves are a younger franchise so he's probably all time uh maybe rubio would be instead of him um but if not there, maybe he goes to Houston. Like both of those guys, I would say are not Bucks, but those are the Bucks point guards you have to choose from because there's just been a ton of mediocrity at that position. Yeah, I mean, until Delhi gets a few more years under his belt, right? Then uh, we'll just have to <laughs> Big, Big O or, or Sam will uh, we'll just have to. Sorry, hold. guys. Yeah, um, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, both guys played played four years in Milwaukee. Um, you know, I, I'd say. Uh, relatively speaking, right, the the best years of certainly the last, I don't know, twenty five years, uh, coincided with Mo- with uh, Sam Cassell's time in Milwaukee. Uh, but again, Oscar Robertson won a championship, was a part of you know some of the greatest teams in NBA history, uh, alongside Kareem, um, most notably the seventy one title team. And again, they you know they could have won more than one title and, and just kind of fell short. Um, but by the same token, you know, Oscar was at towards the end of his career. He he was in his year thirty two season when he came to Milwaukee, and uh, you know, obviously, kind of reprioritized his game a bit. Uh, you know, was not as big of a volume scorer as he was uh, in uh, Cincinnati. Um, you know, his his first year, he he dropped off from from twenty five points per game in Cincinnati as a thirty one year old to nineteen point four. Uh, in Milwaukee, but um, you know, in that title team, his first year, uh, 19.4 points, 8.2 rebounds, almost six boards. Uh, you know, again, he was he was a great player, and obviously, he was you know the second best player on a on a championship team, which nobody else uh, in in any of these debates can can claim. So, um, so I think that you know, I was looking at I was looking actually at Sam's um, 
Sam's numbers in Milwaukee. And I think some of like, if you look at like PER, some of the efficiency numbers um, are closer or in some cases better than, than actually what Oscar put up when during his time in Milwaukee. But again, a lot of that is because it was, you know, the end of Oscar's career, the last four years, years of his career. W- one thing though, that was different was if you look at the playoffs, um, Sam's playoff numbers were not great. Um, and obviously the Bucks had a, a fair bit of success, especially relative to the rest of the last couple decades, uh, in Milwaukee. But, um, you know, Oscar was, was definitely a better playoff performer during, uh, during their time in Milwaukee. And, um, so I was kind of thinking about, it, I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe, um, maybe that's sort of the differentiating factor. Maybe, maybe you give, uh, you know, Oscar the edge there just cause again, not only does he win a title, but, uh, he was very good in the playoffs, uh, in the four years that he was in Milwaukee and, Obviously, those were some big games. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take the lazy sort of like who's the greatest player. I, I mean, I, I'm again, I'm not basing it purely on that. Obviously, Oscar Robertson is a greater player in the history <laughs> of the league than Sam Cassell. Um, no, I think it's very, yeah, I think it's very close though. Um, I don't think you know Oscar would give you the big balls dance, which we all know and love the way Sam would. But um, uh, I, I think I might still give the edge to Oscar um, just based on some, you know, the kind of playoff X factor uh, winning kind of kind of piece of it. Um, it. It feels like we got to We got to we got to I don't know. Maybe, I don't think I'm overvaluing team success um, and probably not surprising that when we do value team success that the 70s and 80s come to uh, come to dominate the all time teams that we're talking about. Yeah, I, I think it, it would be difficult for us to go anywhere else other than big o like uh, again we can try to make an argument for sam cassell and we can try to look at those things and it and it is close but man i would it would almost be sacrilege not to put big o on the all-time bucks team um and again i just don't think there's any candidates other than those two um well here's here's a question Given that you have Giannis at the four, um, you have Sydney. Who Sydney? I mean, Paul, interestingly, Paul Pressy is the Bucks' career leader in assists. Sydney Moncrief is second. Um, granted, they don't have necessarily as many as as you might think um, between both of them. Only like I think thirty two hundred is is where Pressy was at with his career. I mean, Gian- Giannis could could break that certainly if he's here a decade. He'll he'll definitely break that. But um, but here's a question. So the one technicality I would ask about. Um, Ray Allen, another guy who could handle it a little bit, you know, had some good assist years in Milwaukee. Uh, could you make a case if you say you don't need a true point guard? Okay, you've got Giannis and you've got Sidney and then um, you've got Marcus as well. You've got a bunch of guys who who can pass the ball. Uh, is Ray Allen a better choice or, or somebody else? Is Ray Allen a better, more deserving choice for the all-time Bucks team than Oscar Robertson. So uh, we're going to get a little funky with positions and we're going to move Ray yeah. to point guard. Yeah, who had a better Bucks career? Basically, I'm asking, who had a better Bucks career, Oscar Robertson or Ray Allen? Oh, man. Or or somebody else, right? Like, you could, yeah. you want if you want to throw Michael Red or, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to, I guess you could try to shoehorn Big Dog in somewhere and make Sydney your point guard or something like that. But yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, I think the guy you would try to get in, get onto the roster would be round. I would say just from longevity standpoint, uh, it's probably Ray Allen. Cause he spends a couple more years in Milwaukee and 
it's closer to peak of his powers, Ray Allen, by the end of it, than um, I would say the end of Ray Allen's career in Milwaukee was closer to the peak of his powers than the beginning of Big O's career in Milwaukee, if that makes sense. Um, so I would I would say maybe it makes a little bit of sense. Um, I don't know if I hate the idea though of a second unit uh, of the Bucks Big Three. Like that's your second unit. Like all right, roll it out with Sam, Big Dog, and Ray, and let's see what happens. <laughs> um, like th- that second unit could be pretty dangerous. Um, but yeah, I guess you probably take Ray over over Oscar Robertson just because of how little time he spent here, and then just the fact that by the end of his time in Milwaukee, he wasn't. He wasn't really himself anymore. Yeah, I, I think I would probably say Ray had a better Bucks career than, than Robertson just began because of the, the, the longevity question. Um, I, I think the interesting, I think, you know, I'm, I'm since we're kind of talking about like other guys, you know, just and, and not trying to overlook guys. Um, we, we mentioned Bob Dandridge. I think he's a guy, another another guy who deserves mention, um, you know. If you look at the Bucks career leaders in win shares, right? I don't get win shares are not like it, it, they, it's a stat that has certain, certainly flaws, but it's I think it's an interesting measure to look at because again, it does at least capture to some degree longevity as well as sort of an efficiency contributing to winning type type side of of a statistic. Kareem by far 115 win shares, the career leader. Sidney Moncrief second, 89. Marcus Johnson third, 71. Um, Bob Dandridge fourth, 63, and you look at Bob Dandridge's career in Milwaukee, um, 18.6 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, 3.2 assists, one and a half steals um, in in 618 games, nine seasons in Milwaukee, and, and including a, a championship. So um, he's he might be might be sneaky like one of the most underrated guys uh, in in Bucks history, which is why it yeah. was. I think I was at the game where. Um, he got uh, it was like Bob Dandridge night and and he got, you know, honored for for his his contributions. Um, so that that was well deserved. And, and he's probably a guy that, again, kind of modern fans probably just don't really have much appreciation for how good he was. You know, I, I'll admit it. Right. Like I, I have I, I'm certainly in, in that group. Um, and I, I, I do believe he played a lot of four um, back in the day, I think. Old school people, correct me if I'm wrong. So even though he was only listed at six six one ninety five, so um, so he's definitely a guy that that uh, deserves deserves some love. As is Paul Pressy. Paul Pressy, um, he's fifth in in box score plus minus in Bucks history, um, and uh, he's uh, he's seventh in career win shares. Um, interestingly, Michael Rudd n- nicks in uh, nips in ahead of Ray Allen uh, on career win shares. Rudd is at fifty five. Allen's at fifty four. Pressy at 45 and then McLaughlin Cummings and junior Bridgman. So, um, so yeah, it, lots of, lots of guys. I mean, that, that's a nice thing, right? I mean, the, there've been a lot of really good players who played from Milwaukee bucks. And, um, again, uh, not all those guys are remembered in the same way, but, um, I, again, nice to see, especially with the since the new ownership, nice to see Bob Danders get some love. And, um, I mean, it, it's only a matter of time before Marcus Johnson gets his number retired at this point. I think a lot of it was, the way he left Milwaukee in the eighties, but certainly now with him back broadcasting, being so beloved by fans, um, it, it's got to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. It seems, it seems like an, an inevitable below. Oh, wow. 
I'm going to try that again. Uh, it seems almost like an inevitability at this point uh, to see Marcus get that jersey retired. Um, it, I, it seems more like a, a when, if not an if kind of question at this point. So uh, we'll see when that happens. I think that that kind of sets all of it out there, Frank. Uh, I don't. I feel pretty. I feel generally happy with our with our conclusion of a starting lineup of Kareem at center, Giannis at power forward, Marks at small forward, Sidney Moncrief at shooting guard, and then Big O at point guard, which, I mean, thinking about the bench units you can throw out. And, again, I don't want to think about other franchises. Maybe other franchises have better stuff. But, man, the nostalgia factor of throwing out the big three as, as your three guys coming off the bench, like that's... Seems pretty fun. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and and you can throw you can throw Mark Pope in at center on that second unit as well, right? <laughs> you could. You definitely could. Irvin Johnson maybe as well. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I, I think I think we did okay there. I'm I'm happy with how that went. Um, anything else you want to add? No. Shout out to uh, to to some old school bucks that we don't don't always uh, get to to show some love to. Shout out to Marcus Johnson. Much love to Marcus. Um, really, I mean, I can't, I can't say enough. How I, I honestly, I didn't, I didn't really know Marcus at all as a color commentator until he came back to Milwaukee, and um, he's been a guy that that has been awesome. Obviously, to to have Bucks back with the organization um, as an announcer, uh, obviously as a person, he's you know a great Twitter follower. He engages with fans. Everybody seems to love him, um, and it's uh, it's fun to look back on on the history of the Milwaukee Bucks and and being able to say like, damn, Marcus. You're a baller, man, and hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully, we'll see we'll see that number uh, that number eight in the rafters very soon. And uh, also, nice to to use this time to also kind of give some some mention to to guys like Bob Dandridge, uh, Terry Cummings as well. You know, Terry Cummings, another guy that that often gets yeah. kind of forgotten. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of talk about big three guys, but uh, I, I don't know. Hopefully, we were properly respectful of uh, of of the old school uh, of the old school guys. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we've got anybody on our team. If we rolled out this team, it might be the worst three-point shooting team in NBA history. Um, yeah, because basically none of those guys shot. <laughs> Oscar played before a three-point shot. Marcus like never shot threes. I don't think Sydney shot threes, and we all know Giannis doesn't shoot threes. Kareem taking skyhook threes might be your best bet at somebody being able to hit a three-pointer. People would uh, not score though. So, they would no, not they score. They, no. That that is a tough defensive unit. Uh, all right, that's going to be Locked on Bucks for today. Uh, we are, uh, again, brought to you by SeatGeek. Use our promo code LONBA. Again, LONBA for Locked on NBA to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Or just head over to SeatGeek and use it to buy some tickets because it's a great app. It's a great website. It's very helpful. It's a great product. So go check that out. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. We will talk to you later. You've reached the high fashion hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10-2 to 10-10. Select styles only.